on this episode of AV Week, going local while expanding globally, the AV part of UC, and future-proofing AV security. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 406, recorded Friday, May 31st, 2019. Local AV. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by... Sure. Because every voice matters. And by... Kramer. AV Beyond the Box. And by... Christy Digital. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information that we have gathered this week. First and foremost, buddy Kirsten Nelson. Uh, she is the program director for Center Stage, but also an independent writer with Vernacular. Welcome, ma'am. Hello. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, and also with us, uh, a very busy man that I can get on like once every six months. Uh, <laughs> crazy. Uh, from Sound and Communications, welcome, sir. Thank you very much for having me back. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll ask, I'll ask the imminent question, are we all ready for Infocom, which happens in a week? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm ready for trade show season to be over. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're one of these lucky folks who, who get to have an end to trade show season as opposed to us who we get breaks in between them. How about that? Mm-hmm. Yes. The next one will be CEA, um, and then Digital Signage Week and then ISE will start the whole thing over again. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, we'll talk about center stage as well. Uh, some cool stuff that Kirsten is doing again this year. Uh, first story, though, uh, comes to us from uh, our friends actually at, at Center Communications. It, AB Stumfel is is expanding their their U.S. presence. They they opened an office last year. Uh, the 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 actual uh, German manufacturer came over to to here and and opened up an office uh, in Georgia. They are expanding that to include education. Uh, as sales support, as well as shipping logistics. Dan, we'll start with you since this is your story. Um, the one thing that struck me about this is not necessarily the speed, actually the, the lack of speed. That they, they, As I mentioned, they opened physically the office last year, but it's taken them about 12 months to really kind of expand that and get it up to where they're fully supporting now uh, the U.S. Mm-hmm. When you're talking to not just Stumpful, but other manufacturers <clears throat> you're expanding globally, what does it take really to kind of really fully get an office up and running to where you're a hundred percent supporting a region or a country in country? Well, I think a, a very big part of it is getting staff members who are intimately familiar with the products, with the industry, with the key stakeholders. And it seems like AV Stumpful is approaching this from a very intentional, very thoughtful point of view, obviously investing in an official U S subsidiary, is very important because even though AV Stumpful is already pretty well known in the U.S., as goes without saying, having a major footprint in a place like Atlanta is going to bolster how their products respect and installed in U.S. facilities. Excuse me, in U.S. facilities, it's certainly going to bolster their U.S. presence in the long term. Um, but I think really it's it's about the people. Um, this is a very people-focused industry. You need to have the expertise where um, it's not just transplanting. Um, expertise from one country or one nation or one region to another, but really have people who know the channel, know the distributors, know the stakeholders, know the integrators, the consultants, so you can really do it in an intentional way. Talk about that for a second. You you hit on something real quickly. You can't just transplant 
folks from one country to another, even though they may have the, the technical expertise or the product expertise. Folks on the ground need actual actually have to have the, the cultural and the regional expertise. Yeah, the cultural expertise, the regional expertise, and just the relationships. And obviously, all of us are in the relationship forging business. We have to deal with people every day. But, um, you know, this industry is fortunate to have people who have 10, 15, 20, 25 year veterans who have Rolodexes, you know, as thick as my forearm. And, uh, you know, it's really important to have that kind of connection to the U.S. market to be able to maximize, as I say, what is a very, very important market. The U.S. market's kind of a trendsetter in a lot of ways. And you want, if you're going to invest in the U.S. Distri uh, distribution or a U.S. subsidiary, to do it in a way that's going to maximize the benefit that yield that will yield for your brand. And just for those of you who are might be a little younger than Dan and Kirsten and I, a Rolodex is a <laughs> um, repository of names. <laughs> Uh, it's so, not a coincidence that the person who's calling in from the landline is talking about the Rolodex. <laughs> you still have one. I do. Yeah, there you go. God love you. Uh, um, uh, Kirsten, it's, it's a different qu kind of question, though. As, as mm -hmm. companies like Stumple and, and, you know, you look at the expansion of, you know, your buy-amp and, and restaurant and, and all the other major manufacturers in this industry, they're all getting into different areas of, of the world. They're expanding globally. And yet, you know, there are other parts of the world. Uh, you look at, at issues like Brexit, where the, you know, the UK is trying to pull away from the EU. Um, and, and, you know, here in the States, we're doing some, some interesting things with, with tariffs. How is a manufacturer today able to kind of, you know, tiptoe around uh, these very delicate issues, uh, but also expand globally to to increase their market share. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think our our industry in particular, kind of what Dan was saying, it's such a specific industry in the sense that we have a lot of people who have had very long term careers in it. <laughs> so, um, if you're going to set up in the U.S. in particular it's not even necessarily about going global. It's kind of going the inverse. You're having to go local. <laughs> you have to get into the U.S. and start to look at all the different regions. And um, I think we've always said that this industry is very region specific. You know, there's so many different types of applications that are specific to a region. You talk about the Southeast. There's a particular kind of, you know, house of worship focus. Um, there's, you know, then events and production in other parts of the country. Um, so I think AV Stumpful has to look at that. And when they're landing here, I think particularly when you come to the U.S., you're ended up having to do a different version of, of getting global and getting local. You're suddenly having to think about well, who can address this particular corner of this gigantic country, you know, and talk to them directly about what they need. And I think also the thing that when you have to have local talent uh, that understands the local needs of customers, uh, everyone always knows that people do business with people and the whole customer support thing is so different now. It's, I saw that they're doing consultative sales stuff. Um, basically a manufacturer has to be able to provide design support and we, that's been a trend for a long time now. So I think it's definitely an interesting time. You're not just able to, you know, ship boxes to particular locations. You actually have to be there and say, we're offering training. Here's our sales support. Here's a person you can call at any time of day if something goes down. Um, and I saw they have a bunch of forums already active. People can write in. So they, they're creating a community. And um, that is an interesting, I think you, you end up having to get a little bit narrower fo focus, like you said, on a specific country and its particular ways of doing business. 
Yeah, that's actually a really good point though, that getting getting that focus and, and getting those those connections and building that community uh, within the, the uh, within the users, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because not only can they support each other, but they can also provide feedback to those local uh, to the local support of the manufacturer. Yeah. Speaking about the, you know the idea of support, obviously everyone is talking about experience these days. You can't you know go anywhere in the AV industry without talking about it, and it just seems like that's what they're focused on. When you're looking at their announcement, it's about providing direct support, repair services, sales consultation services. All of it seems very much aligned with and reflective of what people are expecting these days, which is push button speed, very very simple. Uh, to be catered to in the best possible way. And it seems like that's really what they're very much focusing on. And that aligns obviously with having large amounts of stock on hand. So you're not gonna have to wait a long time for orders to be fulfilled, products to be shipped. It seems like people want a direct line. They want that push button simplicity. And it seems like AV Stumpful and announcing what their build out is going to offer is very much focused on those people, the experience angle, making it a positive experience to deal with them for all of their partners. You know, that, Dan, that's a really good point is the, the experience conversation has been up, and, up to this point it has been, you know, driven a lot by of Vixen and their, their drumbeat of experience, good Lord, four or five years ago now. And, it, and then when it initially came out, it was the wow, right? The experience of the end user, the people consuming the, the AV. Uh, but that's a good point about the fact that it, there's also the, an experience part where there is an experience for the integrator in the in how you you treat them in, in in doing business with them, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's the end user experience, which obviously all of us are very much focused on, but you want your partner's experience to be positive as well. All of us are looking to be catered to in a sense. And just as when you go into a retail store, you want to be wowed by the experience. If you're dealing with a vendor or a partner, you want to be wowed by your experience with them as well. I mean, it's not exactly the same thing, but I think it's analogous in the sense that people want to feel like their needs are being thought of, that they're being, uh, adjustments are being made to make life easier for them. Their timelines are being taken into account. Their needs are being taken into account. So it's all about generating a positive experience, be it for an end user or being it for a business partner. Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks, our next uh, story comes to us from AV Network. Kramer has joined the Logitech Collaboration Program, uh, the LCP as it's it's called, um, allows uh, Kramer uh, to deliver, quote unquote, exceptional user experience through a proven and mutually validated uh, integration. Kramer at work uh, meeting rooms can now seamlessly connect with with Logitech uh, video collaboration products products uh, Kirsten, I want to start with you on this this is the latest in a number of announcements in the UC space in the UC, you know unified communications and collaboration space where what I will call a, a traditional AV manufacturer is seeing this as a viable vertical uh, we can sit here and in folks that we're going to see in, in a couple in about a week or so uh, on the show floor of infocom are going to have UC. They're going to talk about UC as as another way for them, the manufacturer, to support their integrator. When you're talking to integrators and you're you're, you're talking to other folks in the industry, are they seeing the, this as uh, a, a real vertical for them to to kind of get into? And and you know, manufacturers are telling them it is, but that doesn't necessarily translate always uh, to you know the actual uh, people that are working in the integration firms on a day in day about day out basis. Yeah, I I really feel like if you're not in this space, then you 
You're missing out in a really big way. It's kind of interesting. I've seen it on all levels. All size of integrators are addressing this space. Um, you know, it used to be just like, oh, I have a whole bunch of global enterprise clients, so I better be able to have people be able to collaborate all over the world at any given moment. But everybody's doing this now, every, every size of business. So um, I think to be relevant, you need to be in UC. And I think it's interesting when they do these little ecosystems um, like Logitech is doing here with these complementary solutions as they're providing. They're connecting with all these different, like you said, traditional AV um, manufacturers because all of these pieces need to be in the puzzle and it's kind of nice if they're already pre-approved to work together in a nice way and uh, because basically these rooms people are building in the UC application if they're building a physical room or if they're just creating a space where people can communicate with each other easily that room very quickly just becomes a backdrop you know it's um, everything in there if there is a fixed piece of hardware in there I don't know, it's, it's supposed to be as innocuous as possible. It needs to disappear, so it better work right the first time. So I think people having these ready-made kits and these, if you're, if you're working with one particular brand as an integrator, you know that it's gonna work well within this ecosystem that this larger umbrella brand is creating. And uh, we've seen it with a few other manufacturers from the AV space, but it's really interesting when someone like Logitech is basically creating this little ecosystem that uh, we have to start living in and around if we want to make sure that we're building rooms that are relevant to the actual end user because they basically want to walk in. They don't really care what's in there. They just want it to work and they want their laptop with the stuff they already use to work. So it's really interesting. Like Logitech gets that, you know, that's how, that's how they're approaching it. So Yeah, it's definitely about greater interoperability, seamless integration. I was on the Logitech website and preparing for this, looking at some of their other complementary solutions partners, Biamp, Barco, Extron, QSC, ViewSonic, a, whole, a slew of others. Um, I mean, clearly this idea of having a unified system where you just walk in, everything works together, everything is tightly bundled and tightly integrated. It's definitely the way things are going. When you also look at, at what Logitech, not to hone down too much on them, but it's also interesting, they, they made a significant announcement at ISC this year uh, with their Logitech Tap, which again, tied into a number of control platforms. You look at the control companies out there that are using and bringing in Zoom and a, a native Zoom interface and a native Zoom experience uh, into their touch panels, right? They, they are no longer... Um, relying on, on the integrators for, you know, the, the graphical interface for folks. They're saying, here, here's everything to do a Zoom room. Um, and, and again, that you call Zoom what it, want, what it is. It's a soft codec that has quickly uh, evolved into a, a UC experience for folks in, in huddle rooms and, and in UC rooms. Right. And things are becoming much less bulky and integrators and, and service providers are trying to find ways and I think are finding ways to generate profits and keep their business sustainable even as they're implementing less hardware in most cases. They're selling in some cases less programming, less specialized software, less, you know, things that are essentially segmented off. It's more off the shelf and, and soft codex software stuff. Um, so it's definitely a challenge and I, I feel like integrators are doing their best to rise to that challenge and many of them are. But it's just a whole different world. I mean, Kirsten and you and I have been in the industry for a long time. And when I got started in 2004, it was a whole different world from now. It was all about integrating the big, bulky, sometimes million-dollar conference rooms. Mm -hmm. And now we're talking about soft codec Zoom. 
Yeah, and it used to be, and it still is about customization, of course. Like that's the reason our business exists is because there are still a lot of individual case-specific things that need to be solved. But um, yeah, it used to be all about customization and how can we make this very specific to you with this very specific piece of hardware that's going to solve everything. And now the customization is, uh, again, once we got back to the word user experience, and I saw that in their announcement, you know, even Kramer said that, you know, um, Logitech said that we're able to offer a better user experience to our joint customers. You know, it's all about making the technology transparent and making the user experience the front of the whole picture. Yeah. yeah. Interoperability, ease of use, user friendliness, a diminishment of the bulkiness. It's all about just making it seamless and easy where you can walk right in and interact with the technology. Or you could be, you know, lying on the beach on the island somewhere, but you can still participate. Yeah, and Zoom gives you those backdrops you can green screen in to make it look like you're <laughs> not on it. So that's good. <laughs> they really have thought of everything. <laughs> Fancy studio, just just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If, if you're watching the, if you're not watching the video, um, I, I, we here at AB Nation, um, not a sponsorship, we pay for it. Um, but we use the the green screen function so that this this wonderful scene behind me is not St. Louis. Where uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is actually, um, but it's 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 perpetually sunny with some some clouds here. Um, my story here comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine. Uh, actually, um, it was a guest blog, blog by uh, uh, William McDonald uh, from Starleaf talking about future-proofing security in your AV installs. And I want to read a, point, a, a quote here. Um, quote, unquote, as cloud technology drives the digital workspace, IT decision makers need to prioritize security to ensure that business operations are secure and systems deliver the best outcomes for employee experiences. There's the word again. Um, Dan, I want to start with you on this. And, and I'm, I'm going to ask the question, and, and it, um, every security person I have, have talked to and, and ran into over the years has made a, a, a variation of this statement. It is not a question of if, it is a question of when you're going to get attacked or at least, ha or at least um, hacked or attacked. Not necessarily you're going to get broken into, but you are going to get attacked in some way, shape, or form on mm -hmm. your network. Don't care who you are, what you're, you can be with the government, pick a government, you can be a Fortune 100 company, uh, or you can be a, a small shop. You're going to get, a, um, try, there's going to be an attempt to, to hack into your system. As designers, as consultants, as integrators, and honestly, as manufacturers, how does the AV industry do what he's asking? How, how, how do we try to future-proof security today when we're not quite sure what the vulnerabilities uh, nor what the skill set will be of, of hackers tomorrow or next year? Well, I mean, that's a very good question because, you know, you, you ended the question with the most salient point. You can't predict how hackers are going to attack you in the future. I mean, there are new viruses or new, you know, holes where you can get into a system every day. So you can't necessarily predict what they're going to do. But one thing from that op-ed that I thought was really interesting, and I think it relates to your point, was the Starleaf report from this past January where they said 96% of IT decision makers rank security as the primary consideration for choosing video conferencing systems. I mean, we're not talking about video quality, audio quality, we're not talking about latency. 96% virtual unanimity saying security is the primary consideration for video conferencing systems. So this is once again a statement about how much the industry has changed because at least when I go to, to Infocom and certainly in the past, that's what we'd be talking about, video quality, audio quality, latency, all these kinds of things. Now it's about security. 
So I don't necessarily have a good answer about how we're going to do it. I'm going to, you know, put my trust in the integration channel and the, the consultants and the designers to come up with some of these solutions, which is a very, very vexing problem. But they absolutely must be focused on this like a laser because, it, like I said, there's near unanimity that that's what people are concerned about. 96%. I can't get over that number. And not to drive your point too much farther home because I don't want to beat a dead horse, but understand that the IT again decision makers are the clients of our integrators, right? Those are the clients of the folks listening to this. Uh, so Kirsten, you know, instead of looking at resolution and and latency, mm-hmm. should these folks that are going to Infocom in a week start also talking about and maybe even starting the question with security? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, this speaks directly to who the decision maker is right now. <laughs> you know, the person who's going to poke holes in the sales process right now is the IT decision maker. Um, and we're all trying to like get, we get, we're talking to like the, in the trenches kind of IT people, but they're, we're ultimately trying to talk to the CIO. And the only question that they're ever going to ask is security. You know, I've been on a whole bunch of panels with end users and that's always what they, you know, people can raise all kinds of questions about quality and user experience and how it feels. And the only question they care about, the only question they ask and don't get a satisfactory answer to hardly ever <laughs> is, is it secure? And mm-hmm. most of the time they don't even want to come close to your product if, if you haven't thought about this. So it's an interesting conundrum. It's definitely, so we're talking about two different battles here. We're still talking about user experience, but then we've got the ultimate question that does it work on the back end? Is it going to protect us? And has the manufacturer really thought this all the way through? Now, let me bring a kind of a, a, left, a left turn here, um, sort of this. Um, I've been reading a lot about the, the various levels of, of government security. Uh, we did a couple a story a couple of weeks ago about about Zoom getting another certification that wasn't top level security, wasn't top secret. Um, I, I, one of the last jobs that I did when I was uh, before I left uh, programming um, a full time job was for the Department of Defense. I can't tell you where it was, and I can't all that, all that mm-hmm. jazz. But it was interesting mm-hmm. to me the fact that we had it was a hardware based video conferencing system, right? And it was, we had two different switches. And the, the reason I remember this, because I had to program the system to where when they went into a secure mode, it went, it, it completely uh, wiped the, the codec, completely wiped mm-hmm. the codec, um, switched over to this secure server and went down a completely different path, right? So <laughs> physical, physical separation here uh, from the non-secure to the secure. Um, mm-hmm. And then they were able to make a secure video conferencing call right is is even the conduit separate <laughs> yeah yeah totally, completely separate. Mm-hmm. Um, are we getting to a point where we're in the soft codec world and because let's let's be honest here soft codec is driving a lot of of the of the uc and a lot of the the video conferencing today where we'll get to a point where those those certifications where you know whether it's 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 Zoom or it's Blue Jeans or it's uh, Dexio, whoever, we're, we're, you know, whatever soft code we're talking about, we'll get to a point where they are secure enough that we can have those conversations, and we can say to the, to the IT manager, yeah, we're we're secure. We're we're you know th- this system is government level secure. Here's the certification and and here's all the stuff. Um, or are we just not ever going to get there because it's it's software based? Are you guys getting any sense from either of those? I think in this article, in this particular op-ed, it was funny. He kind of, he talked about how cloud-based solutions are safer, but then, but make sure all of these things have been met. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it was definitely one of those things of like, they're safer, 
nah, but they're not really safer. <laughs> so it's really interesting. It's still definitely, you could tell it's just like swirling around out there. Like who's going to get it right first and whoever gets it right first, is going to be the one that everyone jumps on. You know, I, whenever I have to do a meeting with people at Google, you know, I, I can't call in on any platform other than Hangouts, not just because it's Google, but because they, they don't want people hacking in through various ways. You know, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, some people already are pretty militant about it. And I'm always surprised when um, certain people that I think would be crazy about it are cool with me using my little Zoom room to talk to them. <laughs> so it's an yeah, interesting, interesting time. Well, and the, other, the, the other part of this that's driving the thoughts in my head is the DOD, the U.S. Department of Defense, is going down a cloud road. Mm -hmm. um, it's a it's a it's a it's a, a, a program they're they call Jedi. Uh, and off the top of my head, I don't remember what what the acronym stands for. Um, but there's two there's two companies left in the in this uh, bid process. One is Amazon, and mm -hmm. one is Microsoft yep. Azure. And mm -hmm. understand they're they're moving large amounts of data and large amounts of, of their infrastructure into the cloud. And so I'm looking at that going, okay, now it's, it's not top secret stuff. It's not, you know, that stuff. But I almost want to say it's not that stuff yet, right? Mm -hmm. There has to be, there, there, there are certainly people smart, out, smart enough out there to do this securely. I mean, there, there's definitely motivation to do it. Everything is going in the direction of the cloud. And certainly, as, as uh, Kirsten was saying, in the piece, uh, the author was kind of criticizing the public cloud providers, essentially saying not all cloud services are created equal. Sure. Um, but certainly, um, I would imagine that with as many big brains as are focused on this problem, we're going to find some solution, even if it's only limited in scope and for only certain applications where the cloud can be brought to that level of security where it would be, if not DOD level, something approximating it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, also my impression I get reading this, and he only does, he only casually refers to Amazon, by the way. It's funny, like he just calls it AWS. I mean, that's yep. just, everyone just casually refers to it. Like no one needs to even define it. Like we're only going to talk about this one company. We're going to talk about Amazon right now. But uh, I feel like I read this and it's basically an advertisement for like, you better hire a specialized consultant who actually gets this because then he kind of gets down to like, ooh, you know, there's a bunch of blind spots that you're not aware are going to exist. So my whole answer, actually, Tim, when you first brought this up, I was like, make sure you hire the right person <laughs> to interpret your security needs and find all your blind spots. Like that's kind of what it always comes down to. Like make sure you're working with the right person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and just before we let you go, uh, we have a rule here at AV Nation. You can't say an acronym unless you know it. Uh, Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure is the DOD's Jedi. Uh, oh, phew. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's moving a lot of stuff like uh, infrastructure as a service and their platform as a service into the, into the cloud. So hmm. it's, it, it's not a small amount. It's, it's, it's a $3 billion, I want to say. I'm sorry, $10 billion contract. And it's a winner take all. Wow. I'm not breaking this one up. So. I just can't believe like... In is anyone going to be upset that they're, they're using Star Wars? Well, anyway, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> Lucas might be, but he doesn't own it anymore. Disney does. And oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> they have bigger fish to fry. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't want to take off the government. because Yeah, I was going to say, they're fine. They're like, cool, guys. Cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> they have a lightsaber. All right, that's, that's all we got for today. Uh, Ms. Kirsten Nelson, thank you, ma'am, as always. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I got to be here. Yeah, and tell us real quickly uh, about Center Stage and what you'll be doing uh, June 12th, 13th, and 14th at Infocom. 
Yeah, well, I'm going to be at Infocom doing this thing I get to do. I get to do the program direction for Center Stage at the show, and that's booth 3161. And you're going to want to go on the internet and find the whole schedule because it's three days of programming. Every single day we have people um, doing dialogues on the stage. Um, it's two different experts from one particular field um, dissecting some of the more you know, business-driven philosophical questions. You know, how do all these new trends we keep hearing about um, directly have an influence on what you're going to be doing this year, next year, and beyond? And um, how do you need to kind of reframe your thinking around different types of projects, events? Um, we're focusing a lot on retail and hospitality this year. Um, we're just really digging into the stuff where the growth is happening and, and taking a closer look at what it means for our audience. So yeah, I, I will be there all three days. Um, I'll actually be on stage a couple of times. <laughs> on uh, Thursday, I'm going to be there at 10.30 in the morning talking with Michael Judah from Convene. We're going to have a talk about the end user experience in hospitality um, meeting room spaces. And then Thursday afternoon at 2 o'clock, I'm telling everybody about this one. I'm talking with Heather Shaw. She is the CEO of Vita Modus, which is one of the most amazing um, I can't even define it. You could call it production, event production companies, but that's not what it is. She makes these incredible stage and otherworldly um, structures for festivals and very major touring acts. And she's a futurist designer. She came from the automotive design space and she's translated all of that into this crazy, just beautiful stuff. And I get to interview her on stage. <laughs> so, and then uh, the other thing I had to say about Center Stage is this year we're having a lot of meet the expert sessions. So if you do miss a particular talk, come back for a Q&A with those people and you can directly talk with the experts that were on the stage. We're going to give you a chance to network with them. So Very cool. that's it. Uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you uh, personally uh, on social media or whatever, how they do that? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Kirsten Nelson. That's my full name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Dan Farisi uh, from Sound of Communications. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And how do people actually find you and, and hang out uh, during uh, during uh, Infocom? You'll be going to and fro, uh, but how do they get a hold of, of Sound of Communications either during the week or, or offline? Uh, sure. Well, online, you can go to soundandcommunications.com or uh, soundcom for Twitter. And then at the show, we'll be producing convention TV at Infocom. We will have a new show every day. We'll be shooting live on site. And we're going to have some really interesting packages about what we think are some of the, the hottest, buzziest topics going on in AV right now. Everything from enterprise-level security to esports to creating the experience. Um, pretty much everything that's really buzzy in the industry, we're going to gather some thought leaders and do some pre-produced packages and get them on the air on convention TV at Infocom. Very cool. And they can see that at the hotels, they can see that on the buses, and they can see that throughout the convention center. And we'll be streaming it online, sending it to your email addresses. You won't be able to escape it. Streaming online on your on Sonic Communications website, though. Yep, we'll have it on soundofcommunications.com. All right, very good. All right, thank you so much, and I'll get to see you two at Infocom. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, Honestly, and unless you're, yeah, don't follow me right now. Uh, the Blues are tied one to one in the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time in 50 years, and that's all you're going to hear from me for the next. Week. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, we I, I got to do a cool thing. I, every once in a while, I mean, I I freaking love what I do, and I I'm blessed every day. I, I, but every once in a while, we I get I I get to do something that's like this is my this is awesome. I got a chance to sit down with the folks that did the ice mapping for the Capitals and the, the Golden Knights, uh, mm -hmm. which were last year's 
um, Stanley Cup finalist. And just a fantastic conversation. Uh, got to geek out a lot between hockey and AV. It was a really great conversation. So check out that special if you would, please. Uh, but that's at our website. So what is that? avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You will find that program and this program and Resi Week and all of our Infocom coverage because it's already started. A bunch of previews as well. Uh, also, while you're there, check out our supporter section. These are the folks who help us financially. Help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and the Infocom coverage uh, for order from uh, June 12th to the 14th. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. Thank you.